Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. it they take care of everything, distribution, they help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Covering the Orioles the only way we know how as fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Today on the show, some fun action in Baltimore as the Red Sox and Orioles enjoyed a weekend of drama and unwritten rule breaking. We will tell you who was right and who was wrong. Also, the Orioles, who are currently 12-5 and with the best record in the American League, will talk to Ken McCusick uh, and find out if the data says this winning ways will continue or if there'll be some regression, whatever that means. Section 336 coming out yet. On a Monday night, we're coming at you faster than a Matt Barnes fastball coming at Manny's head. All that and more on this edition of Section 336. Section 336. Section 336. Section 336. It's the new Baltimore generation talking about the Orioles and the Ravens. And someday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearing stuttering host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by the zany Burt Rohde. What up, 336ers? And the button lover, Josh Soroka. Clearly, Burt missed the wear a white Orioles jersey memo. Yeah, I don't own around. a white Orioles jersey, unfortunately. And behind the old uh, screen there, we got the intern. Say hi, intern. Hello. I've been displaced like chemicals into the bay. <laughs> is his mic on? 
Yeah, that's why he just talked to you. He's very soft, soft spoken today. Yeah, and for some reason, only in one ear. He's displaced. So maybe it, it might be the fact that you only have one earbud in. You yeah. might have not heard him. It's possible. All right, uh, we're going to get into this whole Matt Barnes, Manny Machado, Dustin Bertori thing in a minute. But Josh and I had a really cool experience I want to start the show with. Yeah, I want to hear about it because I saw it on social media. I saw pictures. I yes. saw tweets, Instagrams. So what happened? No big deal. We had Just the opportunity. To go to Burt's for Easter Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. No oh. one cares about Burt's for Easter Sunday. No. Oh, um, okay. Did we see each other? We, oh, we went to the Bay Sox and we watched Chris Tillman pitch. Yeah, last Monday I was there for that. That was fun. Yeah. yeah are we fun. going to Are we going to Frederick on Thursday to watch Chris Tillman pitch again? I I, I was going to ask you guys. You want to go to Delmarva tonight and watch Joey Rickert? <laughs> I think it might get rained out tonight. Yeah. Yeah. No, but on on Wednesday we had the opportunity to go and play a game at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Oh, that's right. That yeah. was that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was it was very surreal. Is the best way I could figure to explain it. Sure. We, I mean, we it, it's bizarre, right? You go in. We went into the into the clubhouse. Our dad, our dad was able to kind of hook us up with this opportunity, which is great. Uh, we went into the visitor clubhouse and we found a locker room with our name on it and our jersey. That's pretty cool. Uh, three Srokas, right? One for me, one for my, one for Josh, one for my our, our father. Mm-hmm. And then we got to do some cool stuff like throwing the bullpen. Yeah. Well, and and see, our three lockers were right on one wall, and right next to our lockers were three other lockers for Al Bumbery. Joe Orsalak and Chris Hoyles. Oh, your lockers were right next to each yeah. other. In fact, we, I got changed right next to Joe Orsalak yeah. getting changed. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of got dropped changed together. together. Yeah. <laughs> there was no moon landing, though, thank goodness. Did they give you pants, too? No. Oh, okay. No one actually no. dropped their pants. That's all I wanted to know <laughs> about this whole experience. No, was, Did was, they give you pants? No, we got jerseys and a hat. That's cool. Yeah, so we, we threw out the bullpen. Chris Hoyles, uh, unfortunately, I was wanting Chris Hoyles to get over you know, crouch down behind the plate. He said I'm a little too old for that. Oh, he wouldn't do it. No, no. we had no. to catch each other. So we caught each other. Okay. Uh, Chris Hoyles, I didn't realize how old he was. All, all the guys, that's kind of what you can say. Well, all the years said, he's been doing it, the last thing he wants to do is get back down crouching. Right. He's I, like, I been there, done again. that. It just threw me off. A, it's, you know, it just throws you off guard a little bit when the last time you saw some of these guys were when they were in playing. Right, when they were and in And now, prime. fast forward 20 years, and you see them, and are like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> you're not the... That's not what, Joe Orslack. That's an old, old fat guy. Yeah, you're not well, the 32-year-old Actually, Joe Orslack is a friend of the show. I think he, uh, he has a little uh, audio clip. This is Joe Orslack. You're listening to. Does that thing. make him a friend of the show? Yeah, totally. Okay, <laughs> that's right. all you need to do, and you're officially a friend of the show. But the coolest part for me was getting to uh, hit the ball off Al Bumbry, who was by far right. Joe Orslack was there. Chris Hoyle was there. Al Bumbry was there. The most energetic, the oldest, but also he just the turned most seventy. Yeah, yeah, he just turned seventy. He was the most excited to like was share his baseball knowledge with you, help yeah. you hit the ball. Yeah. Yeah, he's a fan favorite. He's there all the time at Camden Yards. Yeah, he's a t- real cool guy. Real, yeah, yeah. Uh, excited. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell he works a lot with kids. It's 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 funny though. Like we watch so much baseball to then go on the field. For one, there was just surreal moments of being on the same field that right. we see millions of plays our entire life. But then there's also this moment where you realize this is really really hard. <laughs> some simple, of it, yeah, simple, some of it real hard. Some of simply it really when we're we're in the bullpen and to try to throw the ball as hard as you can and get it to go over the plate. Yeah, that's pretty hard. Sixty yeah. feet, six inches. Yeah, right. and we're talking about like fifty-five miles per hour. Not yeah, exactly, miles per hour. exactly. We're now we're near throwing at the speed they are, and we we can't get it over the plate. Yeah, got some over, but not all. Uh, what I was wondering about is because uh, I've been on the field at Camden Yards for ballpark tours and you know fan fest and things like that, but they never let you on the grass. 
They let you guys on the grass on Wednesday? Yeah. 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 It took about yeah. five minutes before I got yelled at, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, you weren't no, supposed to be on the grass? No, no diving on the grass. Okay. So when one you, ball gets past Matt, what's the first thing he does? <laughs> that grass is so smooth, he just slides. Yeah, yeah, I just want to kiss it. I know. <laughs> so I dove, and he ran out there and yelled at me. Didn't just yell, he ran out there and yelled at me. Did, did you like get to stand at home plate? Yeah. yeah. And hit? Yeah, yeah. stood at the plate. Nice. I, like bat and practice. I hit, a, fence up. I hit a foul ball into club level. And I think I was more excited for that than any of that's my balls pretty cool. in fair territory. Yeah, that's that's pretty far, even though it's like backwards. <laughs> well, no, it was sideways. It was first baseline. Okay, all right. Yeah. Were there other people doing this, or was it just the three of you guys? Because I didn't see anybody else in these pictures. I wish there were other people. I mean, no, I wish there weren't other people. No, there, there, was, was, like, there was like 60 people. Yeah, there was a lot of people. Oh, it was a lot of people? Probably yeah. 50. Okay, okay. Yeah, we broke them into three groups, so we did kind of each of these stations. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Here's a picture of us with the old Orioles. Yes, I saw that on uh, social media. You can see it on Facebook Live. Oh, there you go. It. He's putting it up on the camera. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those. I'm not a, I don't have a bucket list. I'm not a believer in bucket lists. I'm, I'm a believer in, you know, just kind of live for the moment. I, come. Yeah, but this was definitely one of those things where, you just you'll never forget. Right? And sure, you and it was one of those things that you never thought you'd be able to do. Yeah, it would never even go on the bucket list because you didn't think it would be like, a possible thing. Like to the do. first time it hit me is when we were in the outfield just playing catch, warming up, and a ball got past me, and I had to chase it to the wall. And like when I got to the uh, when I got close to the warning track, I was just like, "Wait a second, this is too weird." <laughs> and I see like the um, the the what is it Southwest sign out there, uh-huh. and I'm just like, "This is just weird." Yeah, and we played a scrimmage out there, like on the actual field. We played a scrimmage. Nice, um, and it did. It was. It was. I felt like I was. I'm a 33 year old man who is more aware of my getting old every day, of my age and how old I'm getting. But I felt like a, like a 12 year old boy out there and taking like ground balls where Manny Machado takes ground balls. Right, is right. a pretty cool thing. Were you able to throw it all the way from third base to first without a ugly. bounce? No, it was. Th- ugly. That was a bounce. It was an ugly. <laughs> I'll say two things about Manny Machado playing third. First of all, playing short or third or infield at Camden Yards. Grounding a ball, like picking up a ground ball, is the easiest thing in the entire world. Because I'm used to playing softball on these backyard fields. With sure. rocks. There was not, never even a half of a bad, I mean, there's no bad bounces. Not even a slight bad bounce. Taking ground balls is so easy. But the throwing the ball, that's a long way away. Yeah. And you watch Manny Machado, like, do it off one foot with ease. From the I'm third base there, coach box. Like, doing some crow hops. I'm, <laughs> like, chucking as hard as I can. And yeah, it gets yeah. there on a bounce. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it makes you appreciate, you know, how incredible Manny Machado is over there. Um, and that arm strength especially. And hitting the ball. Hitting's hard. Sure. Uh, it's hard you, when you got a line drive to the outfield. Like that was impressive. Like no one, no one was touching warning track here. Like we're right. line drive to the outfield. Well, that's a great hit. It was also really soft pitch. Like what they were tosses. They weren't even like it wasn't even bat and practice speed. I don't think right. they were coming in real soft. Yeah, it was bat and practice speed. But yeah, it was it. it was right exactly. But yeah, Matt and I were able to hit it into the outfield, but nowhere near warning track. Nice, nice. Do they have real like you got to use their bats while you were playing with wooden bats? I, I. Yeah. I we remember we all picked up, and all of our bats had names engraved. I had on Jeff Conine. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. Uh, Dad picked up. Did his bat have? No I, don't name? His, I don't think he had a name. I had the Peter Angelo special. Really? It was, it was a Peter Angelo's bat that looked like it was given to him for like the ballpark opening or something, <laughs> and it said Peter Angelo's. Interesting. So I kept using that bat because it worked for me the first time at bat, and I thought it was hilarious to use a Peter Angelo's bat. Yeah, Peter Angelo's bat. Yeah, we got some personalized jer- jerseys. There was some debate with the jerseys. How so? Like some people 
gave themselves like number 13 and Machado on the back. Oh. Like they turned in a personalized jersey and they turned it into right. some people, one of their favorite players. Some people had their full name on the back of the jersey, so it would do the, <laughs> it would do the uh, wraparound. Yeah, yeah like the Henry Rowan Gardner thing. Exactly. Some people did nicknames. Okay, yeah. nicknames are cool. We just went, yeah. we went professional. Well, I would, you got to pick your numbers. What was the meaning behind the numbers? I see Josh is wearing number two, and Matt is wearing fifty-five. Yeah, see, yeah. what's my, the significance? My my significance was real simple. I did not want a number of a star Oriole. Like I, I hate when Ooh, I see shots players, fired to JJ. Hardy. Yeah, I, I I hate when I see players with like five or twenty-two. 20. So I, I, I normally I'd probably jump to the number four, but I can't take Earl Weaver's number. Right. But then you look like an idiot wearing that. So then I said, well, give me two. And I forgot about JJ Hardy and Brian Roberts. <laughs> Brian Roberts so was number one, one, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Roberts he was number one. one. I just forgot about Hardy. Then. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's probably, a, you, you, you're assuming it's a safe bet the Orioles are not going to retire JJ Hardy's number. Exactly. <laughs> that means when he retires. Right. right. So that's, <laughs> that's I don't have significance. Uh, and Matt, you have number 55. Yeah, this goes back to high school. I, I mean, I was more into basketball, but this is always my number. Okay. Um, so I went with it. And like, I, I, f- I figured like I am an oral player for the day. Like this, that's what this is about. So I'm going to embrace the whole experience and not do the Machado 13 thing. Sure. Sure. But I'm going to be a, a third baseman for the day. I can admire that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a take home memory from the excellent day that you had. Absolutely. Does anybody so, want to know what number I would have picked? What number would you have picked Bert? <laughs> You're going to tell me anyway, aren't you? I would, I would have had to pick between two. Uh, the number twenty-seven is a, a number, a go-to number for me because that was my initiation number when I pledged a fraternity in college. So number twenty-seven has significance, but I feel like the obvious choice would have been number three because Bill I'm, Ripken. No, I was gonna say because I'm, oh. I'm the third, <laughs> Albert Brody the third, Absolutely, so yeah. I should wear number three. That way, I, whenever my son gets around to getting a jersey, he can be number four. He could be four, yeah, absolutely. That'd be adorable. So it sounds like an awesome day. You had good weather. Yeah, it was good weather. It was. It Didn't was little, rain. It was a little chilly, but once you get out there and start running around, it wasn't yeah. cold at all. Momentum kicks in. Like I was pretty sore. Just the like it does day. for the we, pros. Moving around, yeah, yeah, Chris, yeah. Chris Jakubakis is the last Oriole to wear the number fifty-five. Oh, nice! I remember that from name. 2011. Yeah, yeah, it was only six years ago. He uh, uh, bullpen guy. Yeah, put me on that bullpen. You know, you know who else wore number fifty-five? Was that catcher? Um. Not Ramon Ramon oh. Hernandez. Uh, no, I yes, think it was someone else. Ramon Hernandez did, hey. and and Alfred Simone did. Alfredo Simone. Alfredo Simone. You know the murder. Alfred Simon. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Have some good years with the Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely. So those guys all wore number fifty-five for the Orioles. So wait a minute, fifty-five was a jersey number you wore playing baseball in high school, basketball, no, playing basketball, basketball. Yeah. Now is that a number you picked, or just because that was what was available in your size? Yeah, I mean it, it, that's how it started, right? In like JV, where the bigger numbers were for kind of the larger guys. Sure. So the point guards had like number five or number <laughs> ten, and the big men always had like fifty-five, forty-five, and fifty and fifty-five. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I just uh, yeah. So it was, and so it's been it's been kind of my my lucky numbers. Like when I took the the praxis test to decide if I became a teacher. Like I said, at Ducks number fifty-five, and it was like a sign, like okay, I'm good. It's a sign, pass. and you, you know those numbers just come up again and again throughout my life. Double Brooks Robinson, you could argue, maybe. Oh look, Josh is up to bat right Robinson. now on TV. Oh no, wait, that's JJ Hardy. <laughs> same jersey, <laughs> same, same batting stance, same batting ability, P- pretty much the way JJ Hardy plays. <laughs> I, I got some nice hits. Of course, that ball was coming in soft. 
Uh, all right, we got about. Um, we're gonna talk to Ken McCusick at the top of the hour at eight o'clock. Mister Film Study. Um, I I don't know if I want to get into the whole Manny Machado beanball because I want to give us enough time to really get into it. All right. So should we hold off this conversation until after Ken? How about How about instead we talk about something going on really good that we've had a we had a good week of pitching. Yeah. Well, an interesting week of pitching because everyone with Gaussman seemed to seem to pitch like out of their shoes. I was gonna say minus Kevin Gaussman, but yeah. Yeah, if you were to told me, so the record's twelve and five, right? And so if you were to lay out scenarios, hey, hey Matt, we got the best record in the AL East, yep. right? We're twelve and five. We got actually the best record in the American League. And you were to say, Okay, what needs to happen? Ask me at the beginning of the season, what needs to happen for me to get to that twelve and five record? I would have told you a couple things has to happen. First of all, we gotta rely on our bats, right? Like we need between uh, those three, four, and five hitters, Machado, Davis, and Trumbo, like they need to carry us. They need to be hitting dongs left and right. They need Their, their offense needs to kind of hop on their back. Um, well, so far, right, Manny Machado is batting about 200. Um, Chris Davis has been fine but only has three home runs. Trumbo, Trumbo has one. has one home run batting 220. So those yeah, and three, that was four a, hitters. That was an opening day home run. I mean, it was a walk-off opening day. It was right. a one we needed. Right, but since then he's done nothing. Right. So I would have told Man, you Mancini to get Mancini is leading the team Yeah, with five. Right. So if, if you're going to have the best record in the American League, I would have said you have to just out-homer everybody. Right. But no, they haven't. So I said, okay, fine, okay, fine, okay, fine. If we're going to have the best record and we're not doing it with our home runs from our three, four, and five guys, then the guy who needs to step up and be our ace is Kevin Gossman. So Kevin, right. if we're 12 and four or 12 and five, Kevin Gossman must be pitching out of his mind. What does sure. he have, like five wins already? Yeah. Is he pitching like every He's other game? He's a big contributor to those 12 wins. Yeah. Right? Isn't that what we would say? Yeah, sure. Um, right now, Kevin Gossman has an ERA of seven and a half. Yeah. Right? He's those are Ovaldo numbers. He's pitched in five games. He's one and two. He's given up tw- – get this. He's pitched 24 innings in five games, giving up 20 runs Yikes. in 24 innings. Yeah. What's up with him? So, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, me neither. I, I'm a concern because – you know what the whole – the most concerning about the Kevin Gossman thing is? What's that? Um, I saw quotes from Buck Showalter, and they said he's healthy. Um, his stuff looks good. Like, like what we're saying – Everything looks fine, and to me, that's more concerning because if, right. everything, What's wrong? if everything's good and he can't pitch, then yeah, yeah. I would rather like okay, maybe he just like has a hamstring issue, he'll get better. No, like he's completely healthy, yeah, and he just isn't good, right? Like that's concerning. It yeah. is. I mean, even when Bud Norris had that great season, then he fell off. It was because he had the flu, and then everyone was like, okay, he had the flu, right? And then he where's had, Kevin Gosman's flu? And then the flu ended, and he still was terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and and the problem and Gosman having one bad game in Cincinnati, we can be like, okay, that sucks, but something's up. But to have two back to back bad starts is not what we expected from Gosman this year. We keep talking about him needing to make this step. He's taken steps back this he's, year. He's been he's been really bad. So again. If you were to tell me we're going to be 12, offense hasn't happened. Pitching, uh, Gossman hasn't happened. So my question goes back to this, and this one I'm going to ask Kemi Cusey, but let's talk about it now. How in the world are the Orioles 12-5 and five right now? Yeah. Well, Wade Miley and Ubaldo Jimenez. Have Ooh. had a couple good starts. Do you, know, do you know who's leading the team in strikeouts? Wade Miley. It's Wade Miley. Yeah. yeah. 
Wade Miley has more we strikeouts. Had 11 strikeouts in one game uh, the other day. Right. I mean, Dylan Bundy's right behind him. Dylan Bundy has three wins. Dylan Bundy's got the lower ERA at 137. And he's pitching out of his mind. But Wade Miley's under two. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's not what we would have predicted. Is this just, you know, they're hot in April? There's no chance Wade Miley and Ubaldo Jimenez make this stretch out the entire season. Uh, I don't no know. No chance. There was a lot of talk that something was wrong with Wade Miley last year. That That... He came over in July, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of talk that he wasn't healthy when we got him. And a lot of something's bugging him. Th- that this is the healthy Wade Miley, what right. we're seeing now. Because right now it's a completely different person on the mound than we watched the end of last season. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, fine. But Wade Miley is also, he's not, he's not, a, he's not a rookie, right? He's, he's 30 years old. He's yeah. been in the league a long time. He has an ERA over four. So it's not right. like, oh, he was awesome, had a bad year last year, now he's awesome again. He has enough of a track record to say there is no way he's going to keep this up. He's going to regress. He's going to be worse. Enjoy the ride while it lasts. But sure. there's no way. He's going to end this year with an ERA over four probably. Yeah. That's just how it is. I hope not. Uh, but at best if- case scenario, he has a high three ERA, which is fine. I'll take a high three ERA with, with Wade Miley. But he's not going to be – a top of the rotation pitcher like this. And and they're also doing this with I'm sure Ken's gonna point out a hundred times when he gets on the phone. They're going with this with a team that's built not for defense. An outfield especially that's not built for defense. It's built for dongs. It's built for dongs. Yeah. And the dongs aren't coming, but the pitching is. Yeah. The for me, and the Wade Miley stuff won't continue. Obato Jimenez, I think, has been quintessential about Jimenez. Terrible and awesome, depending on the start, right? Sure. Love Obato for that. Um, and hate him, too, depending on the day. Um, but the guy that's been – and we mentioned two starts, too. I want to throw this out there before I get to what I really want to talk about. A start by Alec Asher. A start by J- Jason Aquino. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Which I think tell us nothing, but they're <laughs> encouraging. I mean, the, the thing is about these starts – I mean, pe- people get all excited about them, but pe- we see that people, other teams do this to the Orioles all the time. Someone comes up and make a first start. No one's seen this guy before. The pitcher's successful for one start, maybe two starts. Right. Then they drop off the right, It's like the Yankees. We want to face Sabathia every time, not some random rookie. Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm not excited about – I like Jason Aquino a lot. I'm not really excited about Alex Asher. I'm not no. even that excited about but Jason you do, Aquino. But, but you do have to take something in there and say – they beat AL East teams. Yes. P- they pitch better than Kevin Gosman. And they just have to kind of, <laughs> you know, put their little finger in the and, in the dam until uh, Chris Tillman comes back, which should be in a couple weeks. Right. And Aquino, we at least talked about during the preseason about maybe a maybe a option for this fifth role. Yeah. But they weren't leading guys. Uh, Alec Asher wasn't even on the team. Yeah. It's encouraging they pitched well. It is. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the real story, and I think – all right, can I throw out a hot take to you? Oh, boy. Can I throw out a hot take? That there's a thing called re- recency bias, that when something happens more recent, you're biased to think that thing's better, right? Of course. It's right. like right now, Trey Mancini, we think, is the best hitter on the Orioles. And it's also bias, which is really MVP. Yeah. It's Rookie also why we, as soon as Kevin Gosman starts to struggle, we say, oh, he sucks. He's another right. Right. Because right. that's what we're used to in Baltimore. Right. So let me throw out, with that in mind, let me throw out this hot take and see if you think I'm insane. Okay. Or if I'm just being off the rails, recency bias, insane. I would argue, and no one would have said this at the beginning of the year, but right now I would say Manny Machado, Manny Machado winning the MVP. Mm -hmm. There's a better chance than Manny Machado winning the MVP. There's a better chance that Dylan Bundy 
wins the Cy Young than that Manny Machado wins the MVP. Is that insane, saying that? Uh, at, at, <laughs> at this moment, if you're just going by stats from the first three weeks of baseball, there's a better chance of Wade Miley than, than Manny Machado winning MVP. Right, I mean, but, but I'm saying we know Manny Machado is going to get better. You're saying, but my thing is we know Wade Miley will get worse. Yeah, I, but what I've seen from Dylan Bundy, to yes. me, has been the most impressive thing all season. And I'm start, I've am i been reserving, like, trying to get hyped. I tried my best not to get hyped about Dylan Bundy because of his history. Right. But I'm starting to – I'm sorry. I can't help myself anymore. He, <laughs> he just is dominating and good-hitting teams, too, like Boston. I want to believe. dominating them. No, I agree. And I'm all on board now the Dylan Bundy train. If, if you're talking end-of-season awards, is there also – Trey Mancini could be in the talk for Rookie of the Year see, if he continues this. Right, but Trey, Trey Mancini, I have no – No confidence. No confidence With Dylan Bundy, this. you're saying you've got His the confidence. His stuff's that good. Wade Miley is not going to continue it. Uh Trey Mancini is not going to continue it, but Dylan Bundy has the stuff to continue. Now, is it like a 1% chance? Yeah. But Manny Machado, what's he? I don't know, a 2% chance of winning MVP? Yeah. Uh, so I just think it's it's just interesting how all that to say, Dylan Bundy's been really impressive. And he's, to me, is the takeaway of the first you know part of the season is how impressive he's been. And it's not just I'm saying it. Even the nerds say it. The just baseball watchers say it. Everyone says, hey, this Dylan Bundy's a pretty special kid. Absolutely. It's exciting. This is also the uh, first time this season that we get to struggle through trying to watch an Oriole game <laughs> while doing the uh, the podcast. We haven't had this yet this season. So um, so if there's any if lulls there's, in the conversation, lull, it's because we're looking at the right. television. <laughs> it might be something where like tonight where the Orioles just tied up the score 1-1 and suddenly the show comes to a screeching Hot, which is a good transition time. You guys ready? Yeah. You used to call me on my cell phone. Late night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Section 36 is excited to be joined once again by Ken McCusick, Mr. Film Study. Ken, welcome to the show. How's it going, Matt? Good, man. And I'm excited. This is the first time I think we've gotten on to talk about Orioles baseball. And we're not experts, Josh and Bert and I. In fact, Josh hates the sabermetrics. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't hate them, but I don't feel intelligent enough to talk about them in a, in a meaningful way. So, and we know our listeners out there are into the sabermetrics. We I'm, in, I'm into woozle-wuzzle. We got to appease the, 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 the kiddos. So, Ken, I'm excited to hear about your opinions kind of on the oral success, looking at it from a sabermetric side. Yeah, um, well, frankly, they're doing it with smoke and mirrors right now to go uh, 12 and 5 with what they've done. Um, you look at a few things, but one of the most basic measures is just looking at runs scored and runs against and seeing what their record should be with that. And you'll often hear that referred to as the Pythagorean record. Right. And the reason is it uses, uh, you know, it uses the runs scored and runs allowed, squares both those, and, and, and tries to determine how, what percentage of games they should have won. And the Orioles' Pythagorean record is nine and eight. Their actual record, of course, is twelve and five, which is a, a, an astounding three games better already at this point. So that's that's unusual. Can I, can, but but can um, can I stop you right there and make an argument of why that happens? Sure. And tell me, this is like uh, my simplistic mind just watching the Orioles. Could that have something to do with the fact that we have people like Ubaldo Jimenez, who one night out is great and gives up you know no runs or one run, and the next time out he gives up. 10 runs, right. how which is going to hurt that run score, run allowed numbers. Well, 
that's what you're talking about is certainly the more efficient way to arrange your runs. If you could give them all right. up on one night, you obviously could win all but one of your games in the extreme case. Um, but uh, but yeah, you 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 do better if your overall team can overcome some horrible Obaldo or, or Gosman starts. Now we have to really talk about. Oh, that's, oh, that's, um, oh, stop! Can I completely forgot when I said Obaldo? Oh my gosh! Stop! Don't talk about <laughs> it. Yeah. So, anyway, that's not the only thing about the team that okay. is, is built the wrong way, I'm going to say this. Now, when I say the wrong way, the Orioles of my youth had 18 straight winning seasons. I don't know, some of you have heard this before because I've, I've soapboxed about this occasionally, but they had 18 straight winning seasons. Every single year during that 18-year 18 18 winning streak, they outwalked their opponents and by an average of 109 per year. It was the hallmark of the Weaver teams. They did a lot of other things right, but they, they did that the most consistently right. But, but that was also in a so, time before these giant salaries and where you had to worry about these budgets. Players stayed with their teams over long period, longer periods, which is why you could put together 18 years. Um, it's, it's part of it. I mean, part of it was the philosophy of the team and the ability to win in that ballpark that they had. It was a pitcher's park. You needed to get on base by other ways other than singles because it, it was a hard, hard park to get singles in. Um, but it was a real, it was a decent home run park and it was a decent park for walks because, mm-hmm. hey, you can walk anywhere, right? Right. But, uh, uh, it, it, that was the way that they found to win in that environment, and I don't think it. I mean, they did it over 18 years. They did it with a lot of different players. In fact, there's, I don't think there's any player who was there for that entire time. There wasn't any. Um, so you, you, there was still roster transition. Maybe you're right that it wasn't quite at the same rate, and you're right that organizational decisions can last decades in terms of what players you sign, and you kind of have to live with them. So, for example, the signing of Boog Powell occurred for the first time somewhere somewhere in the early '60s, and you know they kept him for 13 years. And you know Mark Belanger, you know, that had a similar kind of a a lifespan with the Orioles organization. But uh, yeah, and, but and, yeah, and, I, it's not that I disagree with the point. Right, but and uh, but the overall point is that this team is built differently than that. But but Ken, you you would go a step further, right? And you would say it's not just differently, but this inability to to walk and kind of the not value on base percentage, that that difference is, is yeah. a bad difference. Is that what you would say? Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible difference. I mean, yeah. the early 80s, on-base plus slugging came along. Okay, so we, so we added, for some reason, slugging and on-base together when the two things are very dissimilar. Um, they're, they're not – first of all, on-base percentage includes the outs not used. Okay, slugging percentage is is a measure of you know how how far can you move people around the bases, and also has an indexing to it that doesn't make sense. Like a double is not worth twice what a single is worth, and a triple is not worth three times. Sure, um, it just it, it it doesn't make sense when you look at it that way. And you know the, the 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 thing that's lost in there is the value of the walk primarily, because batting average is reflecting, of course, in slugging and on base, but but it's the walk that is only measured in on base and valued less. That is, lost, that is lost in that process. And so the Orioles of today, we'll just look at it, they are right now um, not in a bad place, eighth in the AL with a 7-10. So that's not terrible, but you break that down, they're sixth in slugging at 416, and they're 11th in on-base percentage at 2-4. Right, and that's how the team's built, right? To, to slug, not to get on base. 
right? Just slug not to get on base, and that's the wrong way to do it. If you had your choice, you'd be sixth in on base and, and 11th in slugging if you could do it that way. Um, and I don't want to get caught up in the idea that the ballpark somehow favors slugging. Well, ballpark does favor the home run, but ballparks that favor the home run also really magnify the value of the walk for obvious reasons. So, you know, it's, it's a place where they should be trying to build an on-base percentage team, and they are just not doing it. They have failed every attempt to do it. Right. And you get to some of that a little bit later. Sure, but the, again, Ken, though, the argument against that would be is, and I can't argue stats with you, but I can argue record, right? And since 2012, uh, or, two, uh, or after 2012, 2013, the Orioles have had, you know, as everyone knows, the, the best record in the AL. Uh, you you throw out the on-base percentage, I would throw out you wins. How do you account for the Orioles being so good, even though they failed to get on base? Well, the, the biggest asset for the Orioles during that time by far is Buck Showalter, hmm. is that he's been able to manage a pitching staff and a bullpen, and we need to realize as fans that the pitching has really been what's what's carried this team and not the um, offense. The offense was slightly below average last year. You know, it's it's a more below average offense this year um but it's it's a uh it's a team that's that's you know despite the mediocrity of era last year at 447 that's a hell of an era pitching in camden yards and more importantly pitching the al east as a whole where you have to spend so many games pitching in boston pitching in new york which are extreme hitters parks as well yeah that's a weird can an intriguing take that the Orioles' strength is actually their pitching uh, which I think most of us just, you know, assume the strength is their offensive home runs. And, yeah, they have a strong bullpen, but we kind of win overall despite our pitching. But you're saying the pitching, and I assume you're including starting pitching in that, has been the things that – I things certainly that am this year. <laughs> well, this year, absolutely, sir, certainly, yeah. No doubt about that. It's also weird, Ken, that you are very much a stats guy, but then you come back to the reason for the success being Buck Showalter. Is there any way that you know how to – or how can we even begin to quantify what Buck Showalter yeah. means to this team? How could, is there a way to put a stat on this with Buck Showalter? Yeah, that's that's a really good that's a really good question, and and it's I think you know one of the places you look at is how many Pythagorean wins did they pick up, hmm. and this team with plus three in Pythagorean wins due to the composition of the team, but most of it I think is due to Showalter. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I want I want to hear your thoughts, Ken, on the. Orioles defense because all right you touched on on base percentage the Orioles defense they've been running a lot of Trey Mancini in the outfield Trumbo in the outfield um, one could argue even Seth Smith and Hunsu Kim are not the best outfielders um, can you talk a little bit about the Orioles defense and and uh, your thoughts on it very disappointing defense obviously and the, the, the team earlier in this run they were built more of a as a as a broader defensive team. Jones was a little better when he was younger. Um, he's showing some of the tread wear now and is not able to get to as many balls. But basically speaking, def- defensive efficiency rating is a statistic that's kept. It's effectively, it's one minus the batting average on balls in play. It's not exactly that, but it's very close to that. So when I'm quoting batting average balls in play, it takes out the home runs, and it takes out the strikeouts, obviously, and just the balls that are actually in play on the field somewhere, what percentage are dropping in for hits. Right. And the Orioles, before the second Cincinnati game, remember that's when the great pitching streak started, but before the second Cincinnati game, the Orioles had allowed a three fifty four batting average against um, on balls in plays. 
the ball's in play. And the, uh, since then, they've dropped that to 313 for the year, which is a more normal number but still high and, uh, and is still 12th in the AL at this point. Uh, but they were last in Major League Baseball at 354. So uh, you know, just to give you an idea of, of you know, what was wrong, a lot of that is, is corner outfield defense. It's the, it's the guys out there not getting the balls, and that's the hallmark of poor defensive efficiency is that your outfielders can't cover nearly as much ground. It's very rarely a function of the infielders, which is a little weird. But you know, if you get ground balls, they, they typically get converted at, at, a, at a similar rate or a much more similar rate than, outfield, than balls in the outfield do. Yeah, but I would imagine that that, so, uh, that bad bit also has to do with a lot of other factors like just luck, right? Just luck on where the batter hits the ball, right? Isn't that part, part, part of that number as well? Yes, but that would tend to even out. And if you look at defensive efficiency rating across all teams, you'll see it, you, you, there's definitely a very strong correlation. Who you think okay. of the strong defensive teams, they, they don't allow the, nearly as many balls to fall in. And generally, it's who are the fast defensive outfields. And, you know, I was very critical of Mark, uh, the Mark Trumbo re-signing. I didn't think it was a good move. And, um, you know, you, when you look at who he is, he's as bad a player as you can be and have an 850 on base, uh, sorry, OPS. Right. And it's because he's got this inverse OPS thing where his slugging is higher, much higher than his on-base percentage is as a contribution to that. So it overvalues him. And then beyond that, you toss in his defense, and, and he's a millstone out there. He's one of the worst you know, defensive outfielders in the game. Yeah, we all know he's bad. So one thing. Yeah, go ahead. Right. So, so one thing you can do to kind of fix that yeah. is to not let Trumbo play the outfield. He can be a full-time DH. Well, that would be okay on a lot of teams who they can kind of rotate their DH among players who play different positions, give a catcher a day off, you know, give a first baseman a day off. Not on this team. You know, they got four guys who need to be DHing, and you can't DH all of them. So Trumbo's presence is, is hurting the Oriole offense to a greater degree than it would another team. So, you know, they've got Mancini, they've got Kim, they've got um, Seth Smith, you know, just a bunch of guys who really need to be playing DH and aren't. Yeah. Hey, Ken, do you think that this team, it, I'm trying to, you know, figure out how much, like certainly there is a value for being really good at hitting the baseball and hitting home runs, even if you aren't great defensively. Do you think the team would be better if Mark Trumbo was not on the team at all and Craig Gentry was your everyday right fielder? Do you think the Orioles would be better with that as Craig Gentry, everyday right fielder, and Mark Trumbo off the team? I don't, I don't think that much of Craig Gentry. I don't think necessarily that. I do think they could have spent the $37.5 million a lot better okay. and, and gotten somebody else who could help the team a lot more. Um, you know, you're asking me, it's, it, that's, that's a difficult question, you know, if, if, if that defensive value is enough. I, w- I probably wouldn't say that, but I do think they could have spent the money better. Yeah. Because, because it does come down to how much do you value Trumbo being able to hit the home run versus if he, hits, if he helps you score Right now he's kind of in a slump, but if he helps you score one or two runs that night, is he really going to hurt you that much in the field? Because the chances are, in order for him to hurt you, a ball has to come to him, the ball has to get past him, for it to really make the same negative impact that the positive impact of a home run or a double would make. Right, relative to what the, what the standard expectation would be for that player. So it's really the difference between his 850 OPS and the league's you know, 700 or 710 OPS, whatever it is, is that difference the kind of difference he'll allow on defense? And it, and it could well be. 
I mean, if you look at last year in the war stats, and I, see, I know you guys probably don't really like war, but you've, you've seen it quoted, and uh, Mark Trumbo's offensive war is decent. It's not fantastic, but his defensive war is so bad. He's one of the worst defensive players in the league that he really, really you know, erases most of his offensive value. So the, the stat I'd, other stat I'd give you, Josh, just to, to point that out is Mark Trumbo caught 11 of 19 of the easiest balls that StatCast classifies. <laughs> okay, they, I forget if they're type 1 or type A balls, but what are the, right. whatever the easiest classification is, he, he, caught the, he had the lowest percentage caught of any outfielder in baseball. Yeah, that's bad. And, you know, those are the ones that you, should, you just should get to, and, and you know, he, he didn't. Sure. If that's an extra, you know, seven or eight hits in a year, then that's, that's not insignificant you know, as a subtraction from his own offensive. Right, game. except it's seven or eight singles, which you can hopefully balance out by what he does offensively. I, I don't I don't think you'd typically assume that for an outfielder. I think you'd assume it's it's seven or eight of a of a variety of hits. If yeah. it was an infielder I'd say, yeah, you're right, it's probably singles. But And Trumbo specifically, let's just and we can move on past Trumbo after this, but when when he's not because Trumbo is the kind of guy who needs to be hitting the ball well and to start the year he had the home run opening day, and, that's and it. since then hasn't done anything. And so now, not only is he a detriment to your outfield, but he can't hit the ball either. So he becomes a really frustrating player for watch. Like some players, when Machado is struggling offensively, but you know every night is going to be great defensively. So it's not as, frust- as frustrating from a baseball fan perspective. But when Trumbo is struggling and he's playing poor outfield, oh, it's really hard to watch him out there. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, this, I, I, sometimes I watch the games on fast forward. I pretty much always watch them on fast forward just to get by the commercials. Right. But to go between pitches, I'll do it as well. And when Trumbo is up, or um, the other guy, honestly, is Scope at this point in his career, they're just extremely frustrating hitters to watch. Yeah. They're extremely frustrating hitters to watch in terms of their approach and, and whatnot. Scope, Scope and Adam Jones getting so many 0-2 counts. Adam Jones has been better this year. He's actually drawn a few walks. Yeah. But... Uh, but Scope is, is a very frustrating player to watch, and I'll often fast-forward through the entire bat just because I, I, I don't want to watch this happen pitch <laughs> after pitch. Yeah, I, yeah it, it can be frustrating at times. All right, Ken, I want to get you out on on a little bit of a, a positive note here. I think we can agree on something, though. This, uh, For me, the most impressive thing of this season so far um, has been the emergence of, and I know that the, uh, we weren't planning on talking about this, but I'm just going to throw it out there, the emergence of of Dylan Bundy um, as as our ace, um, and this is to me is I'll take all. I mean, I, I almost want to say, all right, I'll take all those negative stats about the Orioles that, that don't look good for the Orioles, and I'll throw back at you the amazing freaking play of Dylan Bundy. Um, uh, I think we all would agree, right, that Dylan Bundy. He it looks like this is maybe not sustainable on this level, but it looks like he's the real deal, and he's going to be a really good pitcher. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, he, he appears to be a top-of-rotation starter, and it's one of these things where the improvement year-over-year year can be explained rationally. Yeah. So it's not just like Wade Miley that all of a sudden the light went on and he's pitching at another level, and you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yep. Um, or even if Jimenez started doing that for a while, like he did in September of last se- season, you know, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, and unfortunately it did in the 11th inning of the wild-card game. But, but with Ben Bundy, he came into this year – Unlimiting or unlimiting himself in terms of throwing that slider cutter, and that has been the pitch which has really done it for him. So it's it's been very exciting, to, you know, to have this great right-handed starter that the Orioles have craved for so long. 
Yeah, and I, I love that they call it the name of the official name of the pitch is a slider slash cutter because no one really <laughs> right, knows no one which knows. one it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right, Ken. Well, I appreciate you spending some time to talk to us about uh, to inject some reality about the Orioles. And hey, we'll 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 see how how they play. We'll see if there's some aggression. And at some point during the season, we'll get you back on to kind of reflect on uh, what kind of improvements or lack of improvements the Orioles have made in some of these sabermetric uh, cat- categories. So thanks, Ken. Appreciate Thank you, it. Thank you, Ken. Absolutely. Take it easy, guys. Yep. You used to call me on my cell phone. You know, there, there, there are some things that I know how to do. I just don't like to get my hands dirty and do it. I know how to change the oil in my car. I know how to do it. I've done it before. I just don't, don't like to go to the house so get my hands <laughs> dirty and do it. That's how I feel about Ken McCusick and the sabermetric talk. I, I don't really... I, I mean, I could get into the the sabermetric talk a little bit. I just don't want to get my hands dirty. So I'll let someone who knows more about than I do cu- come in here and talk to us about the sabermetric oh, stats. And it's also, I hate looking at the sabermetrics with the Orioles when we've got five years now of them disproving the sabermetrics year yeah. after year after year. So it's... Defying I, the odds. I get that they're there, but they're wrong every year. So keep keep telling me they're right. I mean, the, the stats themselves aren't wrong. It's just I think the conclusions sometimes people draw from them the, are wrong. You can't take sabermetrics and, and figure out wins or losses. That doesn't work. Clearly. Or um, those baseball prospectus would be more accurate. Right. And they're not. Right. Orioles just got a little so screwed uh, tonight with a fly ball down the right field line that landed foul that they called fair. And then on the umpire review, they still called it fair even though Seth Smith's a little upset because there's a big dent in the foul territory where the ball landed. Mm, Gentry probably would have caught it, though, right? Or record? I think it was in Trumbo's range. No, it was <laughs> it was right in that corner that like no one can get to but Nick Marcakis. Ah, uh, yeah, one of those. That little garage Nick door Marcakis corner. Nick Marcakis, who somehow jogs out there and is in there in time to catch it. So. All right, well, let's move from there to a little more exciting of a conversation. Oh, boy. Let's talk about the the incident over the weekend involving – Manny Machado, Dustin Pedroia, Matt Barnes, whoever else you want to throw in there. By the way, before we move on, the, the chat room is going crazy about magnets. Josh, I don't know why you ever gave any I magnets to anybody. It's ridiculous. The, the people are going crazy about the magnets. It's ridiculous. Everyone calm. Shut up about the magnets. Get get out of here with this. Did, did Lou get his magnet? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> it's terrible. Lou, what's your address? I'll send you a magnet. Created a monster magnets. Yeah, monster. I mean, magnet fiends oh, here. Oh, 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 the problem is they're they're an odd shape, so they don't fit in a standard envelope. Is that the problem? No, I got custom em- envelopes. Everybody Just for the magnets? Just for Lou. Good old Dustin. <laughs> you can just start talking. Let's let's oh, start from geez. the beginning, this all right? Guy. I want to make sure I got this all. Oh, you want the beginning? Well, the beginning would be this guy. So, well, here comes David Ortiz in the starting pitch. No, I don't want to go back that his... far. Let's, so Manny Machado goes to second base. It's a questionable slide that injures P- Dustin Pedroia. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right? Yes. After the game, I just want to make sure I got all my facts straight. Okay. After the game, Dustin Pedroia says it was just a play, right? Baseball play. We play baseball here. Well, he said said that a little bit later. At first, he made some comments about, uh, I've made the best double plays in the world and don't care about the rules. Yeah, so he, <laughs> yeah. He, he definitely made some. Yeah, right. Which so he doesn't. He's you know slide however you want to slide. He doesn't care about. He he's old school baseball. Well, because also this he's whole we're slide. talking about a rule that went into effect last year. Right. Um. So yeah, it, baseball was better when you could take out the catcher and take out the second baseman. Dustin Majora would agree with you. Yeah. That, then we have um some talk, some chatter about retaliation. Sure. Um, which we'll and we'll get into this, but I think it was mostly led by the Boston media. Fully. Then. Um, the next day, Pete Abram. The, the the next day, yeah, I want to get to him in a second. The next day, nothing happened. Never happens, heard of right? him. That happened on Friday. On Saturday, nothing happened. Right, because it, because they had their knuckleballer out there, and because it was a, a close game. And, and you always wait till the last game of the series. Right, and Sunday it's a blowout. Last game of the series. Yeah, Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching, and Eduardo Rodriguez throws. Three, three or four balls. Three, three, three times three at the knees. At the knees. Can't he, get him. He can't get him. <laughs> right. <laughs> in an embarrassing uh, display. But in either way, it should end there. If it even had to get to that point, yes, you, you attempt it. Then, then after that, um, later in the game, still a blowout, Matt Barnes c- comes in and throws a ball that goes um, at, right, at, right directly at Manny Machado's head. He ducks and it hits his baseball bat. Um, and then, you know, there's some words exchange. Notably, Dustin Pejoria is out there shouting at Manny like it wasn't I, I didn't condone that or whatever. I don't right. think he used the word. Pedro was saying it wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't me. And he said some of the same things meanwhile, after the game. Meanwhile, Farrell, you know what Farrell's arguing. The ball went off Manny's bat and into fair territory. So he uh, wants to call it a, a, a fair ball right. and Manny's out at first base. But Matt Barnes was ejected. Um he got suspended today, right, for four, four games. Four games. Yep. Um no other suspensions were held. All right. Thoughts, guys. Who who was right? Who was wrong? Um, I think they're all snowflakes, but I, I I'll give my opinion a second. I uh, think. What do you guys takes on this? I think. Well, I think Manny was fine. I was impressed with the way Manny handled the whole thing. We've seen short fused Manny over the years. Oh yeah, we've seen Manny think the world's out to get him. Manny did a good job of handling this because that's that, I, there was nothing wrong with that slide. It was just an incident. It's what happens in baseball. Whether his foot bounced up or not. As soon as he hit the bag, as soon as Pedrora was was uh, touched, he tried to catch Pedrora and help him. Okay. So clearly, if if he if Manny stayed on the bag and did not try to hold him, Manny might have been safe at second base. You think there is any argument to be made that he started slide a, a little bit too late and it wasn't it was too hard of a slide? You think there's any argument to to to, to no? Be made you're that? trying to win a baseball game. Yeah, I no. I I would agree with that. We we have, I think it's questionable. We have seen no, we've seen questionable slides. The questionable slides and the whole reason for this. Rule is is when the player would slide outside second base with right. their legs and get their hand yeah. up on second base the, going after. If you're aiming for the bag, it's perfectly fine. The fact that we're having a debate and we're doing like slow cameras, all that stuff shows us that it really wasn't that that big of a deal, right? Because it would have been obvious if yeah, it wasn't right. Dirty it right. wasn't it wasn't Tom Brady going after but Ed Reed. I would argue Dustin Majora was hurting the player, and I'm old school. I don't mind people throwing at people. I was I would argue Dustin Majora was injured in the play, so it's appropriate. Blowout Sunday. Ed Rodriguez is out there. It's appropriate to hit uh, to throw a ball at his butt. I have no problem with that. The problem with baseball right, players the, today, the butt. I'm fine with. No one knows how to th- hit people anymore. Josh is fine with the butt. <laughs> well, no, and, and if you want to just make a point of it, then you let 
you do it the next day and you let Wright do it even if he's a knuckleballer. Yeah. Because you're not trying to hurt the guy. You're just trying to say, hey, I'm taking care of my guy. Right. And and, and poor Erod was trying really hard to not hurt um, Manny Machado. That's why he never hit him. I don't he was know. trying to be a little girly about it. I don't and know. He was I'm still going for the, girly, he was still going for the knees. About it. He's still going for the knees. And you don't go for the knees either. Oh, oh. What are, you, what, are you, what are we now watching the NFL? You can't go for the knees. Uh, you can't go above the shoulder. I think you, you got to hit you go, right in this one. Oh, I think shut you up. Go players, thigh to, thigh to no, I, I'm sorry. You injure one of my players. I'm totally cool with them throwing at Manny Machado. Now, what needs to happen is Aurora Rodriguez needs to hit the freaking guy. Stop being <laughs> stop being soft about yeah, it. Be right. a snowflake. Hit the guy. There's a couple things about this whole incident did, that really grinds my gears. Did, were warnings given after the three pitches at? After Eduardo's three throws, I don't know. Or, or I think a warning was implied after he took out Pedroia in the first game of the I series. Mean, that's why Matt Barnes right. immediately tossed when he right. Yeah. Well, that's was where my question was. Yeah. And, and Matt Barnes after the game said, "I wasn't trying to hit Manny Machado in the face," and I completely agree. I, I completely right. believe he him. just sucks at control. He just sucks at hitting him <laughs> in the numbers. Yeah, he just sucks at him in the butt or whatever. Um, Which is also probably because he was trying to throw it ninety-eight miles an hour at his. It butt. was ninety. It was ninety. Yeah, but he was trying for 98. Uh, I he was trying so. to throw it as hard Matt as he Barnes could. Matt Barnes hit 98? No, but he was trying. Matt Barnes, you know, I tried to Google Matt Barnes. He's not even the first Matt no, Barnes the, to come the, up the basketball player comes I know, up. he's a joker. <laughs> what a joker. So, here are a couple, and I don't mind, I'm old school. I like, you hurt one of my guys. I like, even if it was unintentional, I like, like throwing at a guy. Yeah. I think it's, it's fun. I'm fine with it, except... When you're doing all this other stuff and rule changes to make baseball safer, then you're going to have to remove that as well. Okay, and you can take that stance. I'm still going to take that. And this is somehow sometimes why we disagree because I'm a baseball fan. But I, I like fun baseball <laughs> No, no, things. no. I like people getting hit and benches being but cleared. I, I, I think that's fun. All right. I agree with you. But I, remember, I also want the takeouts at second base and home plate back in baseball. I enjoyed that part of baseball. Yeah. We're not going to get that back. If you're going to try to make baseball safer, you, you get this. But I like that teams hate each other. We love that the Oriole players hate Jose Batista because it adds that extra edge to a game. If if Manny, if Manny well, just if the, Matt Barnes did hit Manny Machado on the head, those benches were clearing. That's, the bench clearing brawl is one of the best things in all of baseball. <laughs> it's a, lot of, sorry, it's it's awesome. a lot of fun. As long as your right, guys don't get hurt, this, it's right? fun. Don't you appreciate a good bench clearing yeah, I brawl? Yeah, I, I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> I just keep going back to if, if the, the shoe was on the other foot, we would all be screaming for Pedroia's head if he slid and took out Manny Machado and he missed two games well, didn't or this, more. Didn't this I just say everybody's crying about how Manny didn't do it on purpose, and that's fine. Uh, but put the shoe on the other foot. It happened, yeah. Oh, yeah. We would be just as livid as the Red Sox fans and Red Sox media. That's are. what I'm saying. Absolutely. So, so you can't be you can't have it both ways. But we had this. We had this just, what, two years ago with Jonathan Scope? Uh, wasn't that the red? Yeah, they're playing with the Red Sox, and um, I'm losing the player. But one of the guys slid into second base and took out Jonathan Scope. That yeah. was just two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think, it happens. I, but I think it's fine. It's part of baseball. It happens, and I think it's part of baseball. But don't get all holier than thou, saying you should never throw at his head. That's just that's just what you right. don't do. Yeah, yeah, we would be saying the same thing. Throw Pedroia's head if yeah. he took out Manny Machado. Yeah, and no one threw at anyone's. Right. There's an accident. The guy threw through his head. Nobody wants to. Th- so the guy's life. So 2015, Pablo Sandoval slides into second base and takes out Jonathan Scope. Oh, he's surprised. I'm surprised he can still walk. Later that game, <laughs> Ubaldo Jimenez into him. throws at Sandoval and hits him. 
and uh, Obato gets thrown out yeah, of the game. Obato That's Jimenez, how you deal with it. You with deal with it the at the moment. Problems, Obato Jimenez can still hit a guy in the butt. <laughs> well, right. I remember that because I seem to remember Pablo Sandoval like laughing it off and walking to yeah. first base. Like, right. yeah, I saw that and coming. And it's done. And then it's done. And plus, a guy like him can take a, a, a shot off the back or the butt, and he won't feel it. Yeah. Um, can I talk can about a couple? Just get th- absorbed. Oh, and, and and one other thing before I get to the two things that really grind my gears. Um, More things? There's two things that really tick me off. Okay. Um, but the the other, this is not one that sticks me off. It's just, I think, weird and annoying. Um, like I saw uh, Jason LaCora. LaCora? Yeah, is that how you say his JLC? name? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I really don't know. He's but, the Boston media guy. Well, he was <laughs> he was tweeting out about um, how how the Orioles should throw at Mookie Betts. And I'm okay with that because he is a... He's the guy foot, who kills the Orioles. He, he's a football... He's he, he he actually works on CBS. He does football media, but he's just a baseball fan. He's not right. a he's not a baseball he's not a media, guy. media guy. He's no. not like all these. If Red you Sox follow him, media you follow guys. him because you. Does he have a press pass at Camden friend. Yards? No. Okay. No, uh, but there are for Boston media guys like what's his name, Josh? Pete Abram, who are actually saying like, well, now Boston has to retaliate. That's a job of a fan maybe to say, but Boston media should never be promoting that retaliation, no. well, even the, though I think it's okay. You, uh, the, that should never come from the media. Well, and part That's of that ugly. is also, as much as we like Eric, we do have to acknowledge that as much that Barstool Sports is not real media. Oh, They're was just he Barstool Sports? He is not Barstool, but some of those Boston media uh, people pushing yeah. it were Barstool Sports. He, Barstool they're, Sports they're, is they're, like they're Jason Lacampaca. Yeah. It's the same thing. They're not real Yeah, reporters. they're fans. Right. Yeah, they're fans. But Pete Abram, I believe, is the Boston Herod. Yeah, like he's legit. So but what, but what's the problem with the media saying – who are they saying it to? Why Why? why sure. do you have a problem with that? The Boston Globe is Pete Abram. Like report – Why Why title. should? Why can't a media guy tweet that? What's, he, what's the harm in that? He's, it's his job to just be objective. But who's he influencing? Are the players listening to him? Are John Farrell going to listen to what Pete Abrams has to say? Yeah. I the player, he's totally involved with the players. He's he talks with the players. I reporter. Yeah? I mean, if, if – I don't know. In our shoes, it would be like uh, Rakubako and um, going out and talking about how the Orioles need to hit. Right. And then they're going down to the dugouts and talking to the players and asking the appreciate questions. Like, do, do you think you guys Puck scrolls Rock's about- Twitter feed? No. I think the players hear about it. I think the players hear about it, yeah. I, and I don't think I think our organization's a little different because Matt Barnes didn't have team approval to do what he did throw up Manny's head. That what was apparently you're Barnes. right. Yeah, and and I know that the players read about it because Zach Britton talked with Steve Molesky of uh, or Dan Connolly of Baltimore Baseball, and and players from other teams are talking about Zach Britton's quotes. So other team other players we see it here where where a reporter will say something negative about Adam Jones on Twitter and he'll jump on there. The players see what the reporters say. Yeah, I thought that was uh, weird and, and not appropriate. The two things though that really bother me about the whole thing. We haven't gotten to the two things that really bother me. All right. <laughs> um we mentioned this briefly at the opening, but the comments by Dustin Pejoria really they were the most out of all this stuff, that was the most upsetting for me. All the comments about Dustin Pejoria. You mean praising how, him? How about Dow this is just part of baseball. Yeah. About that's how good. Um, about how um, the other opponent should not have hit Manny Machado. All that stuff really ticked me off. We have been, since since the retirement of some of these players, like Mark Teixeira and Alex Rodriguez, um, and, and now Jose Batista kind of sucks at baseball, we we are we starving need, for someone villains. to hate. You're asking for I villains. thought this was a perfect opportunity to start hating Dustin Pedroia. Right. I never really liked him. No, right? I never did either. I never. I'd call him Dustin Petty because he's small and petty and... 
Dustin Pedroia Petty short for you that. You fit him in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. I never really liked him. After this incident, I like him more. Yeah, <laughs> that I know. pisses me off. <laughs> right. I want to hate right. him. Yeah. That ticks me off. The other thing that ticks me off, I'm sick of this too, is text messages. After every incident, let me text him and say, I, "Are you okay, I did, buddy? I did. Are you okay? <laughs> am I the did only one? Am I the only I'm one sorry, that, that saw that and said, why does, people, why does Dustin Pedroia have Manny Machado's cell phone number? Like, do all the players have each other's cell phone numbers? Even if you can get it, what is this? Texting right. Maybe they have the same agent. This is Orioles. This is Boston. You hate each other. You don't text apologies to each other. Oh man. Oh, text. I'm sorry. Right. You're supposed Wanna get out to dinner later. No. Instead, you. Instead, Manny goes back to the locker. He finds the video, makes a GIF, and sends the GIF of him taking out Pedrora. Yeah. Now they're, they're probably playing words with friends as we speak. It, it makes me <laughs> sick. Stop with the text messaging each other. That, uh, that's what I'm talking about. These soft snowflakes. You know we got to probably having Delman Young in the in the clubhouse. So you got things. you're probably the, along the same line of thinking of you hate it when after a professional football game the players from opposing benches come out and hug each other oh, oh, and trade it. jerseys and pray together in the middle Take of the field. Selfies. Yeah. Right. Right. This is why I'm they're supposed to hate each other. They don't hate each other. Yeah. It's just the fans hate yeah, each other. We want to go back to the Roberto Alomar spit in their face. Yeah, baseball players. The, well, yeah. Except Alomar spits in the umpires. Yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> and everyone true. hates the umpires. Right. We can all agree there. The NBA to me, the playoffs. I know we're not. We don't ever cover NBA. But one Thankfully. of the best things about the NBA is, especially this year in the playoffs, there's been a lot of trash talk between players. Through the media, like they use the media to trash talk other players, right. which is great. I want to see more of that. You want to see, see less apologize texting and more, more guns brought into the locker room. <laughs> not, not guns in the locker room, but more bashing on 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 the media, saying how Dustin Pedroia is small and you can fit him in his pocket. Your pocket. Give me a break. <laughs> if he was really sorry, though, he would have called him. Like nobody, a, a text apology doesn't mean anything. Oh, I would rather than you got to have a phone call with the person. Oh yeah, Maybe because how that starts is you call for apologize. But then the other person like doesn't like your tone or something, and then you start fighting. Where a text message, I'm sorry, XOXO, like there's nothing really to well, say. You know the problem. The problem is that all these baseball players that we cheer for, they're all stupid millennials. Yeah. I know. They, they just have to text. They don't want to hurt people's feelings because they're little snowflakes. Makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, they'll be asking for magnets and whining. I know. All right, I got enough. Of, we talk enough about that. All right, I got a, I got a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> go a uh, little negative note. So far in this season, what's it been? Twenty games, twenty-one games. Yeah, something like that. Who's the biggest disappointment so far? Kevin Gosman or Mark Trumbo? Oh, Gosman. Mark Mark Trumbo's left four base runners on, on in scoring position tonight so far. Yeah, he's been frustrating. Um, Dylan Bundy by far has been the biggest surprise. Yeah, number two, we would say what Trey Mancini yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, got to be Trey Mancini, a guy that I really didn't think was going to be on this team, especially not this far into the season. Uh, other arguments you can make for most surprising start: Wade Miley certainly has to be there. Sure, Wade Miley is probably a bigger surprise than Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy's the most exciting, but the fact that Wade, the way Wade Miley pitching, that's the surprise. Mm, I haven't been. You, like you've been holding out thinking, seven walks in five. I know he threw that a one hitter during a game, but he had seven walks in five innings. Yeah. Like, uh, like a, a, you're gonna lose eleven there. strikeouts. Yeah, I mean his strike his strikeout ratio is great. I mean the ERA under two. I mean, but it was the Cincinnati Reds, right? That he struck out eleven times. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've been I've been more impressed with him. But another guy that's been really impressive though. Um, and this, how concerned are you guys? What's the concern radar at with Zach Britton? Uh, Brad Brock has been another really impressive guy. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's been I, great. After kind of the rough half, second half, 
the second half of last year was kind of rough. Yes. You kind of always wait, okay, is Brad Brock real legit or is he kind of he's, um, uh, he's a meteor? He's having a similar first half to what he had last year. Yeah. Uh, at least, the, you know, in the first couple weeks of the season. And uh, hopefully he can keep it for the entire first half. And hopefully he can carry it into the second half, which he wasn't able to do well, last year. And hopefully he doesn't need to be a closer for very much longer. Right? No, I would agree. I, I He's doing a great job stepping up to the role, but... I prefer him to be my eighth inning guy. Do we? Is Zach Britton all of a sudden, does he feel like less necessary now uh, that we've seen Brad Brock pitch the way he has? That's the I closer? think so. I think it gives you a little bit of of a, we maybe after all this talk that we have nothing that we can trade in July when we need to make a move. A Brad Brock or a Zach Britton could be one of those guys where we, we can make a move in this in this area. Yeah. I mean, it's never bad to have two closers. Also, when a guy like, I think next year is when Zach Britton really gets paid. Yeah, we have and, one more and, year. And uh, Brad oh. Brock, we've got on for a few more years. Yeah, I mean, the thing about – and Zach Britton will be making – he has one more year of arbitration, which he'll make. You're right, even next year he's going to make. He, uh, he's making a third of what of what Britton's making right now. Right. Um, and Brock has one more year, so Brock becomes a free agent in 2019. Uh, so. so they both are kind of similar. I've been really happy with – Chris Davis the start of this season uh, in his patience at the plate and as well as Adam Jones. I want to see more dongs from, from Davis though, right? Yeah, the, but the dongs are always down on these colder, colder ah, times to start the, the season. Yeah, t- tell that to Trey Mancini, the old weather. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. Um, other guys that have been uh, impressive or not so impressive. You guys like, I can't decide if I like or hate ty- ty- Tyler Wilson. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. But uh, the high socks are kind of cool. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I love the high socks and all. Don't base them on uniforms. Um, you should base them on no. <laughs> O'Day, it seems, has figured things out. He was. I was a little worried that first week of baseball with O'Day. He yeah. seemed okay since then. I was never that worried. Um, I know there was some current concern that Michael Givens, his velocity was down for a start or two, but yeah. he seems to be good as well. Yeah, I, I thought he might have been hurt, but it doesn't seem that way. Donnie Hart's kind of an impressive guy. I like Donnie Hart. I always expect him to fail for some reason, but especially yeah. his righties, but he's even been getting righties yeah. out, so he's been really he's good. He's been a fun guy to watch. Fun guy. Fun guy. Yeah, I've enjoyed him. Uh, other guys offensively, um, Scope. Uh, has I mean he's got a good on base, doesn't he? Three twenty eight. He's yeah. hit four home runs, second on the team. He's been fine. He he's been frustrated in, at other points at the plate, but then you look at the stats and and same with JJ Hardy. JJ Hardy's gotten some good hits. Um, I really like the way Buck handles our outfield, mm. knowing that we don't have great outfielders. I'm also not a Kim fan, so the fact I know a lot of people are frustrated that Kim doesn't get much playing time. Uh, that doesn't bother me. I've really enjoyed uh, Seth Smith and Craig Gentry way more than I expected to. Craig Gentry's picked it up a little bit. He had a r- sh- rocky start the yeah. first few weeks. Yeah, I, I, I like Hyunsoo Kim. I, I think it's kind of outrageous how much the Orioles have screwed have screwed with him. I, I really hope that they trade Hyunsoo Kim, not because the Orioles will be better without you him. Want, you want to see him have the opportunity? Hyunsoo Kim deserves to be an everyday see, player. I, I don't think Kim plays a good outfield. I don't think his defense is any better than Mancini or Trumbo. Um, and that and it's like I if think you're going to put the guy is, out there. I would, and I would argue right now offensively, I would rather have Hyunsoo Kim than Mark Trumbo. I mean, right, and I can Hyunsoo understand Kim that. Brings a unique skill set that Mancini and Trumbo don't bring. The patience at the plate, they, they, the seeing pitches and getting on base. 
Yeah. And that's something this team, I think, desperately needs. And that's why Hyunsu Kim not playing as much is kind of mysterious because you're saying you don't value. And this is what Kemi McCusick said. The Orioles, as an organization, don't value on base percentage. Because if they valued on base percentage, Hyunsu Kim would play more. It's right, as simple right, as that. He would right. play more. But, but yeah, I guess. He, we have a series against Tampa here where every pitcher, starting pitcher for Tampa, is a righty that we're facing. Yeah. So he should play the next three days. We'll see. He should. We'll see. Um, I would be I will be annoyed if he doesn't. play uh, My guess is he gets he plays two of the three. Really? Yeah. I think he'll play all three. We'll see. I I definitely think Trumbo could use a day off, maybe. But then I would call for Machado to have a day off, and then he had a big game the next day after. Yeah, you know what's intriguing? We've had uh, seventeen games so far this season. Is that right? Um, Going into Monday night. Yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense. We're twelve Going and five. Monday. Yeah. Um, how many games? Let's do a little game here. How many games has? Hyunsu Kim played of the 17. Uh, play as in started or gotten in? Gotten into? in at all. Um, Seven. Uh, I'll go with eight. Nine. Nine. At, out of 17, how many games has Craig Gentry gotten into? Uh, well, he's your late in Seven. replacement, so I'm going to go 12. Out of 17 games, Craig Gentry has gotten into 17 games. Because uh, he's your late in guy. Yeah. He oh, he's in, played every game so far? He's played every game. He comes for he's, the Andy Chavez. Yeah, he yeah, comes yeah. in at the end for Trumbo or Mancini. Yeah. But notably, he also has more at-bats than Kyunsu Kim. So it's not just laid in defensive play. Again, no, it is. It, uh, well, no, it's laid in and where he gets 17 games, he gets one at-bat each. That's a 17 versus... He's got 25 at-bats. Okay. And Kyunsu he's Kim probably got He's probably got one start. Yeah. Uh, I think he has two starts, actually, because he's batting leadoff a couple times, I think. But um, with Joey Rickard coming back... Does Trey Mancini go? Or does... Oh, yeah. Like, uh, something happens. Yeah. Or I think they can do something sneaky with the fifth starter again because you don't need a fifth starter till May 2nd. Yeah, but so it, at some point could, they got to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, who goes? When Rick, Rick, or does Rickard not look come at, back? When you look at the numbers, right, I think I think you wait for Rickard to get hot. Except Rickard, again, Rickard is a guy you put in, in like a gentry role and laid in and... Yeah, the guy Can, everyone will first I mean, say is Gentry, but no, I like he's played in seventeen games, so that tells me Buck is not Buck no, values. No, your little sheet over there would say Kim, but I don't know how that works. Can we send Kim down? No, we because been over this last we year. We went over that last year. Yes, it's impossible. You can't. Or was that just a first year thing? No, Josh, you can't. He has to be <laughs> DFA'd. We're not even having this conversation. Then no, there's then no way it, Kim. Is leaves. it time to DFA Kim? Oh, my we're not gosh. using him. Listeners, Josh is not expressed of user opinions of sexual We're not using podcast. Him. <laughs> Why wouldn't you put Trumbo and Mancini in the outfield? Well, you would never. And then in the seventh inning, you put Gentry and Rickard in there, and you get your late in defensive replacements. Well, What's, what Kim's not being used. Yeah, so if you really feel that way, then if you're the Orioles, you play Kim every day. He's going to put up incredible numbers because he's just a really good baseball player, and then you trade him when all his numbers are up. So I guess that's the one option. Uh, you're not going to let him go, but that's why. Kim. Like people right. have said, maybe Kim is due to be traded because right, the Orioles just don't like him. The Orioles don't like good baseball players good on base. Maybe, maybe you're onto something. Yeah, I know. Maybe we're trading Trey Mancini. We have no position for him. We're showing him off. We're giving him lots of playing time. He hit five dongs. How would, Let's Josh, open up your open up your uh, your trade books. How would you feel if the Orioles traded Trey Mancini? Uh, what friend you, of the show? What are you bringing in? He is a friend of the show. I don't know about Joe Orsalak, yeah. but Trey Mancini is a friend of the show. <laughs> we, it's, it, was, it was our idea that got him in the outfield. Yeah. I'd text him and say, sorry to see you go. Glad we got a real player for you. 
Oh, no, man. that's not what I would say. Ouch. I hope Trey Mancini is going to listen yeah. to this podcast. I, I don't He's know. called him I don't, for the last time. I don't like when the Orioles trade anyone on the 25-man because I like our guys. I mean, you know, it, it's – who knows? But clearly you got to do something. And Buck loves Joey Rickert. What? No, I know who goes away. It's Ryan Flaherty. No. Who, that's who, ridiculous. Who's the backup infielder? Trey Mancini and Chris Davis can play the corners. Second Trumbo and short. Trumbo can play the corners. Second and short. Short, yeah. you move Manny to short. Second. Third. We had, we have had Steve Pierce play second base. We have had, what's that guy that we couldn't find a position for? Pedro Alvarez? No. No, he was uh, kind of an outfielder at DH. We brought him up a few years ago. Betamete? No, What's not bad at me. I forgot about to him. my point that we've had bad second baseman. I don't know if they've if bad at me actually. No, we had a uh, we had a, a guy who we couldn't find a position for. He sucked at the outfield, but he had a good bat. Right, and we played him like one game at second base. Yeah, I remember because he caught a ball like jumping up. You, and and I was you, surprised. And you think that's a good plan for success for the Orioles? I'm saying, I'm saying you want to optimize your bench. Ryan Flaherty doesn't optimize your bench. Add in Rickert and send Flaherty down optimizes your bench. All of our minor league parks are really close. All of our teams, we that's an advantage. We last week we saw the Richmond Squirrels. Their team is San Francisco. All of our teams are here. If something happens to Jonathan Scope and for half a game, Trey Mancini has to play second base, you can manage. Or or JJ goes to second base, Machado moves to short and and Mancini goes to third. You can manage for half a game, and then we have a buttload of second basemen in the minor league system that we can pull up. And we'll have a buttload of outfielders sitting on the bench. Yeah, but but, but not a single utility infielder. Yeah, and what not going? We're not going anywhere. We do not need a utility infielder. Okay. We have utility outfielders, and we don't need a backup catcher either. Too. Let's get rid of Caleb yeah. Joseph while we're at it. We don't need a closer. Yeah. Uh, How many games has Flaherty played in this this season? Doesn't matter. He's there when you need him. I think that number on he's, there is he's one. There. He's there for emergency. I think he's only. had two at bats. You don't need Ryan Flaherty on this team. He's taken up a bench spot. Ryan Flaherty has played in four games. This isn't. That's a Ryan exactly Flaherty. what a utility infielder should play. This isn't in. a Ryan Flaherty hatred. It's saying, how do you optimize your bench? It's by clearing. Ryan Flaherty. Yeah, Why, but, you but do Josh, not need an emergency second baseman. Ken, That's all he is. Ken, Ken McCusick said the key to our success has been Buck Showalter. And what do you do <laughs> when you take away Buck Showalter's BFF? You, Buck Showalter's going to be depressed without his boy Ryan there. No, he's he won't be, be because he's bringing in his boy Rickert. He's bringing in his new guy. Oh, the new guy that fans love to hate that they don't understand why Buck keeps him around. Ah, Joey Rickert. Joey Rickert replacing Ryan Flaherty in Buck Showalter's heart. The Rick. You might be onto something there, Josh. All right, we, we got to get out of here on that. Hopefully, oh yeah, I'm sorry, intern. Is he awake back there? Thoughts, corrections, fun facts, analyses, intern. What you got for us? There hey, he is. So I did some looking up for the catches. I wasn't able to find class one or class A catches, but I was able to find that. Is it possible that Ken was making up everything a word he said? I think he made that up. No, I just <laughs> think that uh, there are a few different systems, and I was only able to find one of them. But from StatCast specifically, they rate catches with a five-star system, with one being any catch that's over 90% catch. Oh, like Yelp reviews. Yeah. yeah. So that's what he may have been talking about. And Josh, I think the second baseman that you were talking about or was trying to think of was Jameel Weeks. No, he's a second baseman. I was talking about an outfielder that had no real position. I'll figure it out after the oh, show. Felix P.A.? No. Charlie Hoppe says it's Ty Wigington. 
It's not Ty Wigginton. <laughs> Charlie, do your own podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's really all I have, unless I can find that other. Well, we got all day Nate in McCall? turn. You can just uh, we'll just be quiet on the mics while you look for it. Was it Nate McCloud? Yeah, we haven't gone. No, it was over. not Nate McCloud. LJ Hose. <laughs> no, not LJ Hose. Oh, I love LJ Hose. Keep naming guys who had no, and it wasn't Lunchbox. It wasn't him either. Travis Snyder. All right, boys and girls, thanks for listening uh, to another successful edition of Section 336. Go write us a review on iTunes if you haven't yet. If you haven't, shame on you right now. Lou, go check your mailbox. Go to iTunes. Stop tweeting me. Check your mailbox. Yeah. The next person who, who tweets at us for a magnet, I'm going to come to your house and steal a magnet. I think I'm not going to give you a magnet. I'm going to come to your house and steal a magnet. You've gotten to him, Lou. <laughs> Mission accomplished. In his head. Who does Josh hate more right now, the intern or Lou? <laughs> intern. intern. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be it's pretty It's going to take a lot to pass the intern. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Section336Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Section336. You can follow Bert. At Bert Rody. You can follow Josh. At Josh Soroka. And, of course, you can follow the world's worst intern. At WW Intern. Possibly Robert Andino. No. He's <laughs> a second baseman. <laughs> Thanks for listening, boys. Cesar is Torres. And, as always... Go O's. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for more complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches. The show's not over! (laughs) Now it's clear. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.